I had to contort myself to be like a man to really fit in this space. And it wasn't until I had a coworker that said to me, it's great working with you. It's like working with a dude. And it, for a long time, I thought that that was just such a huge compliment until I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm contorting myself to fit in with the boys club. One occasion, they actually had a sales contest and the prize was a Rolex watch. And if anybody knows me, I'm as competitive as I can be. So of course I won it. And of course they sent me a man's Rolex. To achieve success, women have to work harder. And so the other three women that I see on this podcast, I know that they are all really hard workers. When you see those characteristics, it's because those are the people that have kept on going. Women have naturally a different skill set and they have a level of compassion and empathy when they tend to be really good listeners. I think having a tribe of other women in this space is really important. Hello, and welcome to BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. Good to have you with us today. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly series with industry leaders discussing trends in the financial institutions channel. In addition to industry trends, you will hear our guests provide their perspectives on the evolving strategic initiatives that are driving success and enabling our channel to better compete in the broader financial services industry. But first, we'd like to thank Ameriprise for making these podcasts possible. And as a show of appreciation, let's please listen to this brief message. This is Chris Melton, National Director of the Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group. Ameriprise Financial Institution Group is a proud sponsor of the BISA Monthly Industry Trending Podcast Series. With more than 25 years of experience and knowledge in serving the investment program needs of local banks and credit unions, Ameriprise Financial Institution Group brings a depth of understanding as well as investment capabilities to help clients and members feel more confident, connected, and in control of their financial life. We look forward to learning more about your financial institution and sharing how a successful investment program can be a competitive advantage. Call us at 800-679-1237 or visit us at Ameriprise.com slash AFIG. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Not federally insured, no financial institution guarantee, may lose value. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the BISA Industry Trend Watch. I am Scott Stathis, and Bob Mattel and I will be your hosts. Bob will introduce himself shortly and have today's guests introduce themselves. So given we are recording this in March, and it's Women's History Month, today's panel is made up of women leaders in our channel, each of which has impressive and unique achievements. Today's discussion will focus on what it takes to be a female leader in our channel, and what advice our guests have for a woman who may be just starting out in our industry. So, Bob, I'm going to pass the mic off to you. Thanks, Scott, and welcome to this podcast. It's the BISA Industry Trend Watch, and this looks like it will be one of our best yet in this continuing series. I am Bob Mattel, and I am the co-host of this podcast. Today, as always, we have a great panel that we thank and appreciate for joining us. We'd also like to thank the BISA for their partnership and for all things BISA, go to bisanet.org. This is, as Scott said, a women's in the lead discussion today. 
And now for the moment you've really been waiting for, let's meet our panel. Let's start with Karen from Virginia. Hello, my name is Karen Benedict, and I'm the Senior Vice President for Northwest Financial Advisors, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Northwest Federal Credit Union. Welcome, Karen, and thanks for joining us today. From the great state of Florida, Kathy. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks, Bob. I'm Kathy Crowley, and I work for Centennial Bank, which is the Centennial Financial Services and Ameriprise. I'm on a five-person team in the Florida Panhandle. Awesome. That's great. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's cross the country and go to Portland, Oregon. We have Holly. Thank you, Bob. I'm Holly Grelier. I am the Vice President of Operations for Addison Avenue. We are the Investment Services Division of First Tech Federal Credit Union, and I am part of the leadership team there, along with Kelly Cora and Scott Jenner. Awesome. And let's go right smack into the middle of the country, Chicagoland. Jen. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here. So Jen Kostikis, I am the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Alec Credit Union here again in the Chicago area, and I'm the Program Champion for our Investment Services Department. And again, thanks all of you very much. We're really appreciative of having you all with us today so we can celebrate Women's History Month. And for those of you that may have been at the BISA, you may remember we had over 170 women at the luncheon. That was a record for this year. So welcome again to all of our listeners. And let me turn the mic back to Scott. Yeah, I just uh, so I just want to say a few things about each of you. And don't worry, it won't be bad. It will be good. But I kind of know each of you. Kathy, you're the one that I know the least, but I've heard a lot about you from your colleagues. So I'm going to start with you. (laughs) I was at an Ameriprise Program Managers Conference a couple of weeks ago, and Ameriprise is our sponsor for these podcast series. And these program managers were all top of their game. It was a great discussion. And I happened to mention that we're going to be doing a podcast with just women on it. And your name just came up. Oh, you have to have Kathy on the podcast because she's killer. She's like the best advisor we have, blah, blah, blah. It was just over and over again. So I was like, uncle, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> here you are. So thanks, Kathy. Very kind. Yeah, so congratulations on your success. So what's interesting about this discussion today is that we have an advisor on the podcast, right? Not just executive managers. And Kathy will keep us honest, right? So. <laughs> And so, and Karen, so you and I have known each other for a while, and I just want to make a quick comment about the success of your program. So as most of you know that are listening, we collect data from the channel every month, and we get to see which programs are hitting it out of the park. And Karen's program is amazing in a number of ways. And Karen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because some of this is off the top of my head, and it may be a little bit old, but I think it's relatively close. A, your average advisor productivity, average advisor productivity is about 1.4 million per advisor, which is crazy. And your your advisory business as part of the product mix is what now close to 89% if I have that right? Is that right, Karen? Yes, I think we're over 90% now. Over 90%. So, I mean, we see the data from the industry and there are not many programs that are anywhere near that. So, Good job, and we're looking forward to your perspectives. Holly, you have a similar program. I think your average advisor productivity is at around a million, maybe a little bit under. I I haven't seen the most recent data, but you guys kill it too. And Scott Jenner, I guess who you report to, 
That's but if correct. you talk to Scott, he says it the other way around, basically. He <laughs> says, there's no way I can do what we do here without Holly. <laughs> so he gives you all the credit. And you're in an operations role, which is kind of unique. But again, we're looking forward to your perspectives based on all that you do at your program. And congratulations on your success there. So Jen, your turn. <laughs> so you and I have been working together a lot over the course of the last almost year. I, I don't remember when we started, but it's been uh, an enjoyable bunch of stuff that we've done together. And what was fascinating as we started working together, and Jen is just so you that are listening know, Jen is, she doesn't run the investment program, although she used to be an advisor. She is higher than that in the organization, but is responsible for the investment program. So, so Jen and I have been working in some ways to kind of reinvent her program. And it's been very interesting learning about Jen and all the other stuff she does, including her own podcast series. So Jen, just for our audience, please let everybody know about your podcast series, because we love sharing good podcasts with the people that listen. So (laughs) go ahead, please. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. So yes, I started a podcast for women The name of the podcast is called Brave Women at Work, and we're just about 70, we're getting right around 70 episodes in, started it in 2021, and its purpose is twofold, not only to bring women's stories of inspiration and bravery to light, but also to give all women that listen lessons that I wish I would have learned. So every woman that's been in upper management, I wish there was a manual for all of us on how to navigate not only this space, but just working environments in general. So we cover topics such as negotiation, asking for what you want and more. So I started that and really enjoy it and plan to continue. So thanks, Scott. Yeah, no, and and, uh, it's a great series. I've listened to many of them and you are an excellent host. And I've said to Bob that we might turn this whole thing over to you. So <laughs> I, I, I would have to agree because she's done a lot more than we have. So I might <laughs> over those duties to Jennifer. Well, and Jen, what you just said is a great lead into our discussion today. And it's a great lead into the first question. So Kathy, let me pivot back to you for the first question. And the framework of the question is based on the fact that our channel wants to attract more women, right? I mean, there's basically nobody that you talk to in our channel. And we just got back from BISA, right? And everybody was talking about that. Like Bob said at the beginning, there were more women at the leadership luncheon by far than ever before. So we're getting better at it. But what message do you have as women that are working in the channel? What message do you have for other leaders in our channel that is the, you know, call it a change-oriented message to enable us to attract more women, more people like you to our channel, Kathy, if you don't mind kicking us off. No, I really believe that it's prioritizing flexibility. I think including like things like compensation, locality, scheduling, how you arrange your schedules, those type of things, where you need to be in the branches. I think it's key to attracting qualified candidates. The current workforce is interested, I think, in a work-life balance which is more important. And once again, as a working mother, I have four children. They're older now, but, you know, back in the day, it was amazing. And I think if COVID has shown us anything, that the workforce has gotten a quality of life back and they're not interested in going backwards. I believe the industry is evolving. I kind of remember this. When I started, we actually had a dress code and I wasn't even allowed to wear pants. My first company 30 years ago didn't even have a maternity policy. They'd never had an expectant advisor before. They asked me what I wanted. I told them they gave it to me. And that was the policy. 
one occasion, they actually had a sales contest and the prize was a Rolex watch. And if anybody knows me, I'm as competitive as I can be. So of course I won it. And of course they sent me a man's Rolex. So (laughs) the industry has come a long way, but it's still got a long way to go. And I think flexibility is really going to be the best way to attract talent. So what did you say when they handed you a man's Rolex? (laughs) Well, it's actually what my husband said. Because I gave him the Rolex and he said, wait a minute, you won and now I have to buy you one? Wait a minute, how does this work? (laughs) So we ended up costing my husband money. (laughs) Uh, That's great. So yeah, thank you, Kathleen. I think obviously those are some very, very valid points. And the work-life balance thing is, I think, one of the key things that you said and and very important. And to your point about the pandemic, I think it's created more of a work-life balance because we all realize that we don't have to be in the office every day. Right. So that makes it a bit easier. All right. So what other advice do you all have for our industry to make it more attractive to women? Who wants to go next? Jen? So Kathleen, I'm going to joke. Do you still have that Rolex? I do. I wear it every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I wish we were on YouTube now that so everyone could see your sparkly Rolex. I wish I had a Rolex. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So wanted to add in Scott and Bob, another thought that I had was, I think women are great relationship builders, and this gives you an opportunity to leverage your strengths and build those relationships where many women excel. And it goes into the idea of building tribe and, you know, having those longstanding client relationships, peer relationships. And I think that's really important for women as a whole. I know it's really important for me. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, you tell me if this is accurate, but one of the things I seem to notice is as our channel transitions from being transactional to being more relationship-based and to focusing more on the needs of our clients and our members, there is, I believe, I truly believe this, there is a need for a, what I'll call a nurturing mindset among advisors and executives in our channel. And I don't think anybody does that better than women, frankly, right? So I think that us guys have a lot to learn related to that nurturing mindset from women because it is all about relationships and trust going forward, period. That's it, right? So I think that's a superpower you guys have. (laughs) Karen? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that women have naturally a different skill set and they have a level of compassion and empathy maybe that men don't always have. And they tend to be, at least the ones that work in our office, and be really good listeners. And so it's, I think just making sure that the women that are out there maybe right now in college, making sure they understand that there's so many opportunities in this industry and that making sure that they leverage their skill sets. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Holly, you had a thought? Yeah, I can jump in a little bit on that as well. And I think, you know, what both Kathy and Jen and Karen as well all said, you know, is actually when you look out there at studies about women in leadership, one of the characteristics that you tend to see is more empathy, more compassion, and more focus on DEI type of initiatives which we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years. And I think the kind of response that some employees have needed, whether they are advisors, whether they are support personnel, especially during the pandemic, has been around support and caring. And so there's just been generally a lot more of that coming from women leaders. So I think that certainly does play to strength. 
But one area that I would touch on when we talk about change in our industry, and I get back to the theme of International Women's Day this year, which is break the bias. And I think this is the part where we come back and we ask others to be allies. And we say, are you in? Will you actively call out gender bias, discrimination, and stereotyping each time you see it? And that is a hard question, and it's something that is not easy to do. But I think all of us, regardless of our gender, should go into this thinking about what are those unconscious bias moments? What are those things that get said? And when are we standing up to be vulnerable, be open to conversations, and to recognize unconscious bias when it happens? So that you're never in a position where you walk away from a conversation knowing, I should have said something. I should have stood up and I should have said something. And that's what Break the Bias is about, is to say that you acknowledge that the bias occurs because it does, but you're able to be there to say something and to support equity across our channel. And I think we ask that of all allies and we ask ourselves all to be better allies. It's a journey, 100%. Yeah, you know what, great points, Holly. And I wish those of you listening can see the screen we're looking at because we're on Zoom and behind Holly, it says International Women's Day Break the Bias. So she's following through (laughs) on that. The one thing that I think, listen, I'm an optimist, right? So I'll make an optimistic statement. So we've gone through this pandemic and we've all gotten more personal. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we've been doing Zoom calls and you see people that you work with, their dogs running by in the background or their kids jumping in their lap or whatever, right? So there's a, there seems to be more of a comfort level now. We're more casual. So what does this have to do with what you just said, Holly? I'll answer that question. (laughs) So we historically have been you know, what I'll say, and I'm exaggerating, but what I'll categorize as kind of buttoned up in the financial services industry, you always have to be professional, right? And I think that has prevented some of the more personal discussions that have to happen, right? Because there is a boundary that once you step over that boundary and you realize that you're working with other humans and you can have emotional and personal discussions related to, am I biased without realizing it? And let's talk about that. Let's just be open about it, put it on the table, right? That type of stuff, you know, 10 years ago just didn't exist. And I think it's becoming easier and easier now to have those, just those open discussions, those honest discussions, the discussions that come from a deeper place than just, you know, I have to be a professional financial services person, right? So I'm hoping that the evolution of a more casual nature of the workplace will lead to us being able to more easily have those types of discussions, right? So that's the optimistic statement that I'm making. So I'm hoping that will be the case, but I I appreciate all those comments. Bob, I'm going to hand it to you. Yeah, and that was a great conversation. I just want to go back to one thing because we were talking about the relationship building and nurturing. And three of you work for credit unions. There's a member-driven organizations out there which are credit unions and then the client bank situations. I I think the bottom line there, Bob, it all depends on where the rubber meets the road. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that, it depends on the advisors, right? Because a member is a word and a client is a word, right? A relationship is a thing. And if you're a good advisor, you know how to develop relationships, you know how to engender trust. And that's what makes the difference, right? Kathleen, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir there, but right? I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. Absolutely. It is. It's all about relationships and making them feel comfortable because once again, they're coming to you with either issues or problems or a rough time in their life and you get to help them through that. So The empathy, the understanding, the relationship building, the confidence, the trust, that all goes in it. 
Well, and so you just said something that has several layers of meanings, and that is that they're coming to you with something that's difficult in their life, right? There are too many advisors that don't understand that the primary responsibility they have is to be good enough in the discovery process so they're understanding their clients' lives, not their assets, right, but their lives, and are are engaged enough with their clients and ask the appropriate questions of their clients so their clients trust them because they know that you get it, right? You're working for them, right? So that's, you know, I think that's an important thing. because. Uh, it's and, the- and if I could kind of add, I think probably a little bit of jumping ahead is like an example. I had a high net worth client come in and call me. We'd normally meet quarterly, but he called me kind of on an emergency basis and said, I need to come see you tomorrow. I'm that's really out of the blue. So, of course, I cleared my books. He came in, told me and let me know that he was going for open heart surgery on Monday. And he said, by the way, my attorney knows a little bit. My CPA knows a little bit. My realtor knows a little bit. You know it all. You got the con. Pull up that financial plan. If anything happens to me, help walk my wife through this scenario. And I, it's a noble profession. And I think it doesn't get enough credit for it. Yeah, that's that's a great statement. And so you are a trusted advisor, right? And if we look across the executives that are running programs in our channel, the primary message is you need to help all your advisors be trusted advisors. Because right now, about 10% of the advisors in our channel are what I would call trusted advisors, right? And you can measure that by whether or not they're managing the majority of their clients' investable assets, right? If they are, they're a trusted advisor. If they're not, they're an afterthought. And I've said that over and over again, but that's key. What you just described is key. And we've heard some amazing stories on these podcasts about what it means to be a trusted advisor. One of my favorites is Frank Consalo, who used to be an advisor. He's the current president of VISA. And he did years worth of work with a couple. And he got a call one day from their elderly at this point from the woman who said, my husband died and I'm not sure what to do. And he, after expressing his condolences, said, don't worry, we have everything in order. There's a good life insurance policy. I'll review the financial plan with you. And she's like, no, you don't understand. He just died. He's in bed here next to me. I don't know what to do. First call she made was to her advisor, Frank Consalo. You think he's a trusted advisor? Yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, that's powerful stuff. All right, Bob, I think you were about to answer. I I, I, was going to pivot a little bit about how the industry is growing. We all have stories of starting out in this industry. You know, a lot of us were at the BISA conference talking with some of the rising stars, which is the BISA mentorship program. So as I say, we all have stories and messages to people that are starting out in our industry. But what message do you have for women, Jen, for those that are just starting out in the industry? And remember, at some point, you will be taking over co-host duties as well from me. So... Bob, you're doing awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So I guess the first one that comes to mind is to give yourself grace. So when I started, I remember in my interview process and just learning, there were so many acronyms and so much to learn. And this business is consistently being fluid and moving. So I remember them saying, oh, this is GDC. And, you know, this is what commission is. And this is what concession is. This is how it's calculated. And it's just, it's a lot to take in. So I would say give yourself grace and know that you'll get it with, you know, hard work. 
I had a boss that said, you know, work hard, play hard. And I think this industry affords us that where we know how to work hard and play hard. So I think there is a nice balance there. So it's enjoying, hey, you're, it is hard work and that you are going to have a lot to learn, but that you need to have fun too. And also give yourself some grace along the way. And then one other one, well, there's two others, be authentic to who you are. So I remember, and I mentioned this on my podcast, I thought that I had to contort myself to be like a man to really fit in this space. And it wasn't until I had a coworker that said to me, Pastikas, you know, my last name is like, Pastikas, it's great working with you. It's like working with a dude. And for a long time, I thought that that was just such a huge compliment until I realized I'm like, wait a minute, I'm contorting myself to fit in with the quote unquote, the boys, the boys club. And I became better in this space when I was more authentic to myself and could balance walking into a boardroom with also being a woman and absorbing those qualities of masculine and feminine. And I I think the last one is we talked about relationships. I think having a tribe of other women in this space is really important and so recruiting a tribe, whether you're a financial advisor, you know, like Holly, you're in operations, upper management, whatever you are in, I think it's always better to travel together because we talk about women supporting other women. And I think that's absolutely critical in this space. So if we have a newbie coming in, let's support that person. Let's help train that person up. Because one thing that I did do is, and Kathleen, I want to give you a lot of kudos because I hadn't looked up in a while, like what is the percentage of women that are in the space, like our financial advisors? I mean, Google can't be wrong, right? But they said 15 to 20%. That's not a lot of people that are on the female advisor. So kudos to you. Because I know it takes a lot of, lot of, just a lot of guts, a lot of gusto to do what you do. So, so Bob, I'll turn it back to you. I still think you should be the co-host because I'm learning from you. Like <laughs> be, absolutely. But that was just some great feedback. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are taking notes and saying, you know, work hard or play hard, you know, be authentic. And just being part of the tribe of other women, I think is, you know, that, that group that really can lean and work with each other and just build. Um, Bob, I, I see a T-shirt coming, Jen. Uh, yeah, so do I. It'll yeah. say the tribe on it, and we're, we're going to have to distribute it to you guys. I, I believe so. <laughs> um, well, since, since you mentioned, okay, I'm going to go to Karen next. Karen, what message do you have? Uh, I just wanted to say that I think you need to not be afraid to take advantage of opportunities. And I know that's easier said than done. You know, sometimes it's hard to put yourself out there, but I definitely, you know, had that challenge earlier in my career. But I had a colleague one time that told me, he said that in his opinion, in his experience, he says, I think men tend to put themselves out there more. They put themselves out there for a promotion or things like that. And they may not even be qualified, but they're like, you know, I'll just get the promotion and then I'll just figure it out later. Whereas women are more reserved and They want to make sure they're just 100% qualified for that opportunity before they put themselves out there. They tend to be more hesitant. And I'm actually in this position now because he encouraged me to apply for it. He's like, you can do it. You've got it. Just do it, you know, and you'll be be fine. So I think we tend to be a little more reserved in, in putting ourselves out there and taking advantage of those opportunities. And that's interesting because I got into financial services from being a banker as well as you did. 
So how did that all evolve? Yeah, I mean, I was a CFO before I took this position. And then I thought, you know, being a CFO and, and being a program manager and running an investment subsidiary, that's two different things. Not that I didn't know the business, but it's definitely two different hats. But I definitely was encouraged by some of my colleagues, some of the advisors in the firm that said, you can totally run this firm. You just need to do it. And here I am. That's a great story. And then uh, Holly, why don't you take us next? Okay, great. I think I'd like to just touch on a couple of different things from what Jen said, about 15 to 20% in the industry. And when I look at our program, I, I always think we have a lot of female advisors. We have quite a few female advisors. It's just always in my head. So I look to see how many of our advisors are women, like what are those percentages? And when I looked at our top producers, like our million dollar or plus producers, 35%, almost 40% of them are women. So we've seen a lot of success with women in our program, and we've seen some of those women who have come in as advisors and others that have worked up career paths through the program from other positions to become advisors and made their career at Addison. And I think that a lot of that is part of the camaraderie and the tribe that Jen talked about is women supporting women, seeing other women in the industry, seeing other women as top producers in the industry. And I think to the point that Karen made, you know, is finding somebody there that supports you. And regardless of who that might be, somebody that says, you deserve a seat at this table. You should be looking to progress your career in this way. Find that mentor. If that mentor doesn't appear to you, seek them out. You know, I think one thing, you know, we often listen to that inner voice that questions, should we be doing this? Should we try this? It's like find somebody that is successful and ask them to be your mentor. So many people will say yes. I'd be surprised at anybody that would say no. And looking for somebody to be your ally, to be your mentor. And if they already have a seat at the table that you're trying to get to, have them stand up and represent you. Ask for you to be there. Help support you in getting there. And I think once you get there, it's up to you how you stay at that table. It's up to you whether you move to a different table, uh, to Karen's point. <laughs> but I do think that you know, when you're coming into this industry, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to look at people like Kathy, who are up there as top producers, and say, can I have an hour of your time to talk to you about your career journey? I'd be really interested to hear more about it. Yeah, I think mentorship is, is key. You're right on target with that. And I was mentioning before the Rising Stars program at BISA, which is heavily skewed toward females, which was, that is where we want to see some future growth. You know, I think we, actually, Scott, at some point, we really should do some benchmarking of the industry to really see at different levels you know, because if you don't measure something, you really can't see how far you're progressing. And I think Colleen make a great point with the number of financial advisors in your organization. Just give me another two minutes on mentorship, because I think that's really key. And our listeners probably want to hear more of that, because I'm sure you're all mentors in one way, shape or form. This is Kathy, and I just wanted to touch base because what Jen said, there's such a learning curve in this business for anybody that's either changing careers or entering, that if you're not part of a team, it's really a hard part. So you become a part of a team, whether it's through an institution group, whether it's a financial team like ours. I mean, we happen to fit in both teams. You know, we've got a five person team and four of them are females. So it actually allows to, because I think there's kind of an apprenticeship gap in our industry where, you know, you get licensed and now what, you know, how do you do that? How do you turn it into an actual, a successful entrepreneurship type of business that you actually have the ownership and it's definitely working in teams. So I have joined, I'll put a plug out, hopefully Scott and Bob, you're okay with this, but there's a group that I joined this last year. It's called Project Lead for Women. 
it is more generic. It's not just on the investment side of the house, but it definitely gives a platform for women for mentorship. And I've been a mentor and a mentee with that organization. And I found it really valuable because there's always someone that knows maybe a different spin of, you know, a different experience. They can give you insight. And the beautiful thing I think about mentorship is that it's neutral ground. So you're not having to go to your boss and be like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? How is this going to impact my career path? It's neutral because they want to see you succeed. Of course, like you want to see yourself succeed. So I'm very supportive of mentorship on both sides, being a mentee and a mentor. I would have to agree. I've been in, as I said, I was in this BISA Rising Stars program for five years. Four of my mentees have been women. I have learned more from what they have taught me than I think I've imparted on them because they've taught me what it's like to be them, not me. But, you know, I encourage more and more people, more and more women to be mentors because, I mean, it's okay for me to mentor, but, you know, I just think that it's just an amazing way to learn and give back. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a thought that may be a little controversial, but I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> this is just based on listening to you guys talk. So my observation of, and this is a very positive observation, but you'll see where I'm going with it. My observation of women in the industry that have been successful is that a lot of their success, I don't know if a lot is an appropriate term, but their success to a significant degree has to do with their attitude and confidence level. They either lean into it and have an I got this attitude or they they kind of lean back and say, "Mm, let me just follow the lead of others. Right. The ones that are really successful, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but the ones that are really successful have an attitude that is almost like not only am I as good as the guys in this industry, but I think I'm better. Right. Which is pretty cool. And that level of confidence, realizing even though you're in an industry that has a lot of guys that there are a lot of ways that you are better than a lot of those guys, that can just drive you forward in some very powerful ways. So, I mean, is, does that resonate with you? I see, Kathleen, you're shaking your head. I mean, is that right? I mean, doesn't Absolutely. that make yeah. Absolutely. I think that, once again, attracting net new is all about, once again, finding the weakness of who you're competing with. And it's usually that sometimes counterparts always talk over people's heads and not talk to them exactly and not understand them and understand just like what you said their life not just their assets yeah yep so scott i would like to answer your controversial question with a controversial type of answer and and i will say this women have to work twice as hard that's the way it is there is something called the broken rung in the ladder and it is to achieve success women have to work harder. To get progressions and promotions, they have to work harder. And so the other three women that I see on this podcast, when I see them across the table or on a Zoom meeting, I know that they are all really hard workers because they are in these positions in their career. And so I say to you that when you see those characteristics, it's because those are the people that have kept on going. There are a lot of people that haven't. And that's part of what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, which was a desire for flexibility in the workplace that five years ago didn't really exist to the degree that it does today. And I think the broken rung in the ladder, the harder progression and promotion combined with burnout is one of the reasons why you don't see as many women in leadership or top advisor positions. But I think you're going to see that change. 
because they think the changes that we're seeing in our workplace are conducive to that. And the change that we're starting to see, you know, the shift overall in the industry with more women coming in and more women leading, you are going to see continued change in that area. Great points. I'm glad I asked the controversial question or made a controversial statement. Jen? So I'll just have one more to add on to Holly's comment, which I think was very well placed, is I had to take a lot of time and do a lot of head game work to get to this point. So I think women, my colleagues here, they've probably all done some head game work because women do have to work harder. There is that little voice saying like, oh, you know, did I do that right? Am I enough? Do, you know, do I need to learn more? Because inherently we feel we have to know everything to apply for the job, like Karen said, or to speak up in a meeting or to ask the question. So I, I will just say vulnerably that I've had to do a lot of head game work, a lot of work on imposter syndrome to say, oh, well, wait a minute, I actually deserve to be here. So I think that's some of the extra work that Holly's talking about. Okay. I, I love yeah, that. I just, just, a, just a call out to our listeners right now. I hope everyone is listening to this, men and women alike, because I know we have a pretty wide audience. And in order to move and progress this industry, this message has to be heard by everybody. With that, let me pass it back to Scott. I deserve to be here. That's another one for the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a great conversation. So let's keep on going. So taking what we've talked about and considering those in our industry that are trying to recruit women. So what advice do you have for those in our industry that are trying to recruit more women into our industry? What should their messages be? What should their approach be? What do they need to communicate to any prospects that are women that they're trying to attract to their firms. Holly, you want to kick us off there? Yeah, I think I would follow along with some of the comments that I made earlier. I think one thing would be, what is your culture? What is your brand? When you're out there recruiting, what is the value proposition that you are putting out there about your program? And I think as financial institution programs, you do have to have that, right? Why would somebody choose to be in this environment versus another? And I think, do we see female advisors seeking a different value proposition? Potentially. And when we go back to talking about that broken rung, you know, or some of the challenges with promotion, how are you career pathing within your program? And I think this is where you can do some of that work to break that bias right? To create opportunity to say, as a woman coming in, this is what a career path with us looks like. More than half of the entry-level positions in our industry are held by women, over 50%. But when you watch that scale increase into more professional positions, into the advisor positions, or into leadership positions, it starts to drop off. And that's for women. For women of color, it drops off even more severely. And so that's the part where that's what we can change. You know, when we're recruiting and we say, this is what a career path looks like. If you come in at an entry-level position, this is how you can progress within our program. These are the support tools that we'll provide to you. This is what it looks like in three years, five years, seven years. You know, really showcasing that. I think that's something that somebody would be looking for when they're looking to establish their career, start their career somewhere. Do you think that part of the message should be explaining the social relevance of what we do and how we change people's lives if we're doing our jobs well? Absolutely. I think what Kathy talked about earlier about how that is such an important part of the trusted relationship. And that is going to become even more critical as we're starting to see 
well, I, there's a whole other podcast about personalization, right, and data and digital knowledge. So I'll, I'll kind of segment that off to the side. But as we see our industry evolving more and more, you know, what do the advisors of the future look like? They look even more like that. They are more trusted. They are more relationship-driven. And what we're going to see is that clients are going to demand to see more advisors who look like themselves. And so the advisor population needs to change as well as a part of that. More women, more diversity, some of these other aspects that will be very key in recruiting. I'm not sure I answered your question, Scott. I think I went down a whole nother tangent. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, it's all important and it's all relevant. The social relevance of what we do and the fact that, you know, you change people's lives if you're doing your job well, I think I reflect back to one of the original comments that we talked about, which is the benefit that women have because of their nurturing nature. I mean, you guys are really good at that, right? But the, you know, the other piece of that is the social relevance of what we do resonates with the next geners as well, right? That next generation that we're trying to recruit into our industry, because that's what they're all about to a degree, right? Doing something that has social relevance. So I don't know how often that message is baked into a recruiting discussion, but I'm thinking it should be baked into it more often, right? That was that point. Jen, Karen, Kathleen, any other thoughts, Kathleen? I have a little bit different of a take on that. So kind of looking at how to recruit women, it would be actually to recruit good candidates, because I think that's very important too, because I think it's, we want to look for people that we enjoy working with, that have the aptitude to learn, and it's not as important that they have the skill set right off that, obviously, they've got to be coachable and the desire to learn the business. But we use kind of a, is it a good fit for onboarding clients? You know, is this a mutual beneficial relationship? And I think you need to do the same thing with a new hire. Is it mutually benefit to both? And would you enjoy working around with them? Because we spend a lot of time in the office and doing what we need to do. And it's very stressful at times. So I was just thinking that it would be great to have our industry have more internships that would include setting up to take the SIE exam and part of that. So get to people to see how to develop it, to see if they even like being in here. Most of it's done at the home office with that type of thing, but there's nothing out in the fields that really do that. Hmm, Good points. Well, we have one more question and then what we call a lightning round question. So let's move to... Bob, you have a question I think is pretty interesting. Let's move to that next question. Yeah, we, we wanted to ask a question about, well, first of all, we've been talking a lot about important and critical topics today, and each and every one of them could be a subject for its own podcast, I strongly believe. And Jen, I think we're going to invite you on for another one. And seriously, I will bow out and we'll have three co-hosts. It's just it, that we need to do that as well. But this question is, and we'll start with Karen on this, can you point to any particular gratifying woman's power moment in your career? I don't know if it's an actual moment, so to speak, but I can tell you that uh, and this goes back to a comment that Scott actually made a minute ago. I'm not much of a reader at all, but a book that I read several years ago that I think really resonated with me and got me going, so to speak, as far as taking advantage of opportunities and leaning in is actually Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. I read that years ago. And I found it to be very interesting and very powerful for me. Just the whole encouragement of kind of putting myself out there more and raising my hand, so to speak, and putting myself out there in those meetings, not being afraid to step up and say something. That was kind of a turning point for me when I read that book. What can you share about your woman's power moment, Kathleen? 
Well, I'm the youngest of seven children and six women. So it started at a young age that I had very, very strong females influencing my life. So once again, I came truly from a tribe. <laughs> so <laughs> I have sisters that own their own corporations. I have sisters that are nurse MBAs. So a lot of strong executives in the helicopter industry, lots of good, strong women that have helped me, guide me. And I think the most gratifying thing that they said is just go and do it. Whatever it is, just, just do it. I don't care what it is that makes you happy. If you're good at it and you want it, just go do it. You'll be fine. And it goes back to that strong leadership mentorship aspect we've been talking about. And leaning into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jen. So Karen, it's interesting you bring up the book Lean In. So that was the same turning point for me. So I was at a conference in San Francisco and for Salesforce actually, and there were 150,000 people at this conference. It like took over the entire city. This was many years before COVID and Sheryl Sandberg was there. And I got to hear her live and get a copy as it just came out. And I read it on the plane back to Chicago, which is about four hours or so. And I devoured the book. And I then recommended to my CEO, who is now my still my CEO, and asked him if we could start a lean-in circle. And after that, it morphed into a leadership group. And it's still alive and well today at the organization. So that book also really changed my career, too. So thanks for bringing it up. And to all others, that's Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. I think that's a, a must read, it sounds like. I'm going to put it on my to-do list. Holly, what do you have for us? Well, maybe I'll simplify a little bit. I didn't read on this one, but I grew up with a movie that was very influential for me, and that was 9 to 5. Mm. It was one of my favorite movies, and I envisioned myself being one of those three women, you know, really forging ahead in a man's world. I mean, to this day, like when they replay it in the theaters, I'll still go and see it. But I think the lesson that I took from it is that it wasn't about changing ourselves to fit into the existing structure. And if you haven't seen the movie, right, they make a lot of changes in the office because what they end up doing is leveraging their own strengths, their own insights, and, and they create a different culture at work. And I think that was really one thing that I took away from that was that it doesn't have to be about operating in that world. You can create a different world in which you can succeed. And I won't go into any more details about the different terminology they use for their boss in that movie, because it is pretty funny. But I just think that, you know, it really showcases the strengths of female leadership. Absolutely. What a great movie and a great display of exactly what we're talking about today. Changing the narrative. Absolutely. All right. I think we're at that point where we're going to the. There's the bell. <laughs> There's the bell. Scott. All right. The lightning round question. We're going to go around the horn quickly on this and maybe Kathleen, you can start us off again. So what is an interesting thing about you that most of your work colleagues are not aware of? Well, this is a little bit hard since my daughter's on the team. So there's a lot of gray area that goes in this area. But one thing that I do is I keep Hershey's Kisses in my desk. And when I have a successful call or appointment or something, I treat myself. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's, that's very good. Just quick, quick little reward. Yep. <laughs> All right, Holly. Well, a lot of people know a lot about me too, but one thing is that I'm absolutely fascinated by orcas and I've researched them. I follow the Southern Resident Pod every day so that I know where they are. And I do actually keep an orca, I don't know if you can see it, on my desk. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And you are 
I don't know if this is the right term, but a competitive trail runner. Is that right? I don't know about competitive. Uh, somebody that attempts to complete trail runs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, can, I, I can attest to that. Yeah. Well, that's one thing we learned about you during our hike. Because <laughs> you were relentless. <laughs> yeah, Karen. and I signed up for another one at Mount St. Helens this year. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's there's some good ascending there. <laughs> good luck. Karen, you're next. I think, like I said, I've been here 14 years, so I think my staff knows everything there is to know about me. But so something they probably don't know is when I graduated high school, I had zero intention of going to college. And actually, about three months after I graduated, I went to my parents and said, you know what, I think I might change my mind. I think I want to go to college now. So yeah, I sprung that on them. They never saved a dime for college, not that they had any money anyway. So <laughs> I went to college at night while I was working full time at a bank, a little community bank back in the day. And here I am today. So good, changed good my mind you. when I was 18. Good for you. That's cool. Yeah. And, and Karen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I got the impression when we were at our retreat together and there was music involved with that retreat, but you're into rock and roll too, aren't you? Yes, I am. I have an eclectic variety of music I like. Yes, but I like rock. Yeah. Yes, because we got into a few of those discussions. I was surprised by some of your, <laughs> some of the, I, the go ahead. I escorted my son to a concert last night, but I'm not going to say what concert I had to escort my 20 year old son to, but I got home at two o'clock in the morning. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was probably fun do for our kids. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I have a feeling it wasn't that hard for you to do though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, You'll be dragging in a little while. All right, Jen, passing it to you. So I would say an interesting thing that probably no one in the organization knows. So I had no intention of going in this business at all. I was a French and Spanish double degree. So I thought I was going to be a professor and I even lived in France. But the most interesting thing that kind of pointed me to my future career is that I applied to every scholarship I could because my parents, we just had some hardships going on. And I was lucky enough that I was the last, one of the last NBD fellows for my university, for Indiana University, Northwest Extension in Gary, Indiana. And NBD is National Bank of Detroit, which was purchased by Chase. So if that isn't fortuitous that I was going to end up on the banking side, I don't know what is. So that's my little interesting story. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap this up. Not that I want to, because this has been an awesome discussion and really thank you guys a lot for everything you've contributed and the advice that you've given to our listeners and just some of the very heartfelt comments about you know what you've experienced as women in the industry. So much appreciated. Thank you all for joining us. Bob, let me hand it back to you for some official closing comments. Yes. So our official closing comments are Thanks again to our participants and thanks to the BISA for their partnership with this podcast series and for Ameriprise for their sponsorship. Jeff Hartney, the executive director of BISA, we thank you as well. Don't forget to subscribe to this series, the BISA Leadership Series and our other podcasts, Industry Leadership and Success and Untangling FinTech. All of these podcasts are available wherever you get your other podcasts like Brave Women at Work. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap. All right. Thank you all again. Bye, everybody.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of BISA Industry Trend Watch. And thanks to Ameriprise for their much appreciated support. Be sure to subscribe to our two other podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success, focused on industry-leading performance and success stories, and Untangling FinTech, aimed at helping you keep up with the evolution of technology offerings in our industry. Goodbye until next month.